Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. This episode will be a living clean study and commentary. The aim is to provide insight to and context of the material within our book, Living Clean. This is not a meeting of Narcotics Anonymous. However, there will be some similarities in how the study will be conducted. Each study will have the audio recorded and then published to the Anonymous Podcast. The overall goal is to provide a commentary of the text towards reaching those seeking a resource like this. If one person benefits from our efforts, including us, then our participation will be well worth the effort. We'll have the introductions, and then we'll jump into the text. Enjoy. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Living Clean Study for the Anonymous Podcast. This is episode 14. We're going to begin on page 48 with many times in. But first, I want to give our introductions. And uh, we have a couple anniversaries going on uh, while we record this episode. We're going to jump right in with those. Casey, jump in, introduce yourself, and happy birthday. Thank you. My name is Casey. My clean date is 9.30 of 2013. I just celebrated eight years last Thursday. Um, my, I attend meetings in the Mid-Willamette Valley area of Narcotics Anonymous. My home group is the Tuesday-Thursday West Salem Recovery Group. Thanks, Casey. Happy anniversary. We have another one. Barb, what's happening? Hey, Douglas. I'm Barb, an addict. My clean date is October 4th, 1995. I live in Fort Walton Beach, Florida, and my home group is Open Mind in New Orleans. It meets Monday night at 7.30 on Zoom. Happy anniversary, Barb. Thanks. Jane, what's up? Hey, Jane A. here from Salem, Oregon. Clean date is 12-22-79. Welcome, everybody. Thanks, Jane. What's happening, Eva? Everybody, Eva P here. Clean date is 6-10-2000. I attend meetings in the mid Willamette Valley area of Narcotics Anonymous in Salem. Thanks, Eva. What's up, Lee? Hey, guys. Lee P, uh, 827-87. I live in New Orleans. My home group is the Open Mind Meeting, Monday night, 7.30 on virtual. Thank you. Thanks, Lee. What's happening, Paul? Hi, I'm Paul M. Uh, I'm an addict, and I live in New Orleans, Louisiana, and my clean date is January the 6th, 1995. Thanks, Paul. What's going on, Jen? Hi, my name is Jennifer. I'm an addict. Uh, my clean date is November 27th, 1992, and I attend meetings in uh, Sacramento, California. Thanks, Jen. And our guest this evening, Dan T. What's happening, Dan? everybody. My name is Dan. I'm an addict. Uh, my clean date is January 11th, 1990. <clears throat> I attend meetings in Sacramento, California. Home group is Journey Within Group. Great to be here. All right. Welcome back again, Dan. Thanks for joining us. My addict name's Douglas. I got clean March 12, 2000 in Southwestern PA, and I stay in the Raleigh, North Carolina area now. All right, folks, let's jump into it. Living Clean Study for the Anonymous Podcast. This is episode 14. We're going to begin on page 48 with many times in, and Jen's going to facilitate. Take it away, Jen. Thanks, Douglas. Uh, Casey, can you read the, uh, the first two paragraphs for us tonight? Sure. Uh, many times in our addiction, we experience a moment of clarity when we could see the truth about what we had become, but that awareness in itself did not bring change. Effort is necessary for change to occur. Our lives change because we take action. Many of us say that we are applying spiritual principles because it means we are acting in some particular way. Others of us prefer to say we are practicing principles because we can know we could, because we know we can always get better at it. However, we say it, action is what matters. Our primary action is surrender, and we come back to it every day. There is always room to let it go a little more. There's great freedom in understanding that we always have the option to surrender. In the beginning, we may be confused and think we need to surrender to our disease. In fact, that's what most of us were doing before we got here. In active addiction, we turn our will over to the disease every day. In recovery, we learn to surrender in the process, or to the process, to the program, and ultimately to a power greater than ourselves. When we give up the battle, we place ourselves entirely in the care of a power greater than ourselves. It follows naturally that we commit ourselves to the service of that power, however we understand it. Um, you know, that's a good paragraph. I... Uh, 
I definitely can relate to the surrender piece of this where, um, you know, I love that I have the opportunity to surrender uh, no matter how many times it takes throughout my day, right? Like I can wake up in the morning, surrender everything over and then get on with my day and get caught up in the middle of my day and be back at that place of chaos and insanity. Um, even though I just, you know, got up and prayed in the morning. So I'm super grateful that I can, I can surrender this back to my higher power, no matter how many times it takes. If it was a, a one and done, right. It's kind of like the steps are not a one and done. And for me, surrender is the same way. It's not a one and done. Um, I'm not magically fixed just because I wake up in the morning and surrender my day. I'm still um, an addict at heart through and through, you know, um, eight years, I still feel like a baby um, in this program. I feel like I don't know anything. Um, I hope that I always feel like I don't know anything. Um, so I'm super grateful that that, you know, is pretty parallel to being able to surrender multiple times a day um, to a power greater than myself. And uh, I love where it talks about the moment of clarity um, to see the truth about what we have become, but the awareness in itself did not bring change. Um, I have had so many moments of clarity in this program and through working the steps. And, um, you know, I really thought that being an addict was a bad thing for so many years. Um, but now looking at it today, being an addict is the greatest gift that I have. Um, it's the greatest asset that I feel like I have because I've been given these tools and I've been given this program that not only work in my addiction, but work in my life every day, no matter what it is. Um, I teach my kids this program and they don't even know it. You know, my son and I were just talking the other day about, um, I don't know, he was talking about the program. He was asking me like, how old do you have to be to be in Narcotics Anonymous? And I said, well, there's no age limit, buddy. But um, he's like, well, I think the steps are pretty cool. But what he doesn't realize is that I've been teaching my kids this program since I've been here. I teach them how to make amends. I teach them how to look at their day. Um, I teach them every single step in every area that I have the opportunity to do so. And um, when I figured that out, when I had that moment where it was like this program can really be utilized in every area of my life, not just my addiction. Um, and I don't have to just fix my addict. I have, you know, my, my addiction piece, I have to fix my entire piece in my life. Um, that was a great, a great moment in my life and a great gift that I get to pass down to, to my kids. So that was my, I think for me, when I think of moment of clarity, I don't, you know, I can't tell you exactly what day that it was, but being able to realize um, the gift that I have in calling myself an addict and what comes along with that is such a powerful thing. So that's all I have on that. Thanks, Casey. Uh, do we have anybody else that wants to share on these two paragraphs? Eva. Hi, everybody. Um, so right here where it says um, awareness in itself did not bring change. Effort is necessary for change to occur. Our lives change because we take action. So, um, you know, for a long time, when I first got here, I thought, well, I, I made an effort. I got clean and now everything should change for me. Like everything should be easier, better. You know, I should be stronger. I should be whatever. And, um, and the truth is, is that um, just saying I'm an addict every day is powerful and important, but that's just the first part that I have to do every, every day, right? Like I have to take an action and that action is surrender because it says also here, our primary action is surrender. So when I'll surrender every day, then I do get caught up in, and today was, you know, it's funny. It's not funny. This is always how it works with our literature I've been having a day, like a bad day since the moment I woke up. And um, and it says right here, I can turn it over. I can surrender it at any point during the day. And did I? No. Uh-uh, no. Nope. I stressed. I cried. That's an action. Um, but it didn't change anything. So um, you know what what I need to do is to is to put some effort into it, you know. Um and and crying isn't. I mean, it's helpful sometimes, but then I have to do something different, right? Like I can sit in it for a minute, but then I have to work on the solution, whatever that solution is. And, and it's always in, for me, it's always in the steps, talking to my sponsor, 
and it's in the principles, right? And so I wish I could just go to a meeting and by osmosis, just get all of this beautiful recovery. Um, but what I, all, you know, what I get a lot of times from a meeting is, is what to say and how to say it. And it tells me what I need to do. But if I don't go home and do that stuff, then I'm not going to be like the people that I want to try to be like. So, um, you know, because there's women in here and men that I respect and I'm like, you know, I can improve myself and be more something, you know, more mellow, more ambitious, just, you know, I want to be a better version of myself every single day. And the only way I could do that is with effort and our primary effort or our primary action is surrender. And, um, you know, I have to be honest, I didn't do that today until right now. <laughs> I told my husband, this is the last hour we have before I leave for Mexico for surgery. And, um, I, I'm like, I just won't go to the podcast. I'll spend it with you. And he's like, I think you need to go. <laughs> That's what happens when you live with the normie. They just say, I, I think you need a meeting. So, uh, so I'm super grateful that we read this and, and, um, and I'm reminded that I needed to take that primary action today. And I usually do, but I woke up with bad news and it just went downhill. So thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Eva. Anyone else? All right. Uh, Barb, do you want to read the next two uh, paragraphs for us? Sure, Jen. Thanks. Um, surrender means having the open-mindedness to see things in a new way, as well as the willingness to live differently. When we open ourselves to new perspectives, we may find more questions where we had hoped to see answers. Each time we can see possibilities that had not occurred to us before, we gain a little more freedom. We are free to change our minds, to change our perspective, and to change our lives. Freedom means that we are no longer living by default. More and more, we see how much courage surrender requires. We see the miracle of recovery in action when an addict we didn't think would make it actually gets the message. We can see new hope in their eyes. The contrast is so sharp that we can't miss it. We can also recognize the miracle when we find words a suffering addict needs to hear, even though we didn't think we knew what to say. When we hear ourselves carrying a powerful message, we know we are being helped as much as the person we are reaching out to. Finding that we already have the answers we need is like finding a gift on our doorstep. When we are having a hard time, the best thing we can do for ourselves is to accept that gift by helping someone else. Um, that kind of goes back with uh, the other two. And the uh, and I'm going to go back to the other one because something I'm going through something right now. I had my um, anniversary yesterday. My anniversary is the same as my birthday. They're both the same date. Hurricane Opal. I blew in with Hurricane Opal. Barefoot, five months pregnant. Blew into the rooms of recovery and said, I've had enough. <laughs> and um I had a wonderful day yesterday. People, I got flowers. People, Eva sent me a card. Um, Zoe sent me a chip and a card. You know, all, all my New Orleans family, you know, texted me and it was wonderful. The end of the day, what do I do? And my son called in the morning that he called at night. But the end of the day, what do I do? I start creating shit. My son didn't buy me a gift, you know? And, and right away I went to... Um, you know, I'm not important. I don't, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't love me. And then what I do with that is, and, and I'm the observer. My sponsor has taught me to be the observer and pay attention when stuff like that happens. And um, right away, I want to change it to anger. That's what I do. I'm going to make it angry. I'm going to punish you, you know, and, and um, I didn't do that. You know, it was hard. It's been hard, hard, hard to sit with that shit. But right here where it says in recovery, we learn to surrender, not surrendering to the program and ultimately to a power greater than ourselves and to the process, you know, and I knew I was in a process, but I was not surrendering. And I just came off of some pain. What is the lesson here? Some pain that I surrendered for like two months. It was like, okay, I surrender and I didn't pick it back up, but obviously I picked it up again. And when you're an egomaniac like me, you gotta, our primary action is surrender. We come back to it every day. That's what I have to do. 
you know, and this isn't about my son. I know my son loves me. I love my son with my last breath and I know he loves me. You know, this is, um, it's something else. And I got to sit with it. I got to do nothing and sit with it and it'll be revealed. Trust the process and take care of myself. Like Jane said, am I going to meetings? Yes. You know, am I talking to people? I called my Al-Anon women today and they told me, shut the fuck up. You know, you can't say nothing. You can't take his inventory. You can't tell him he's a grown man. I don't teach him how to act now, you know, and, um, and I'm doing that. And that's progress for me. You know, pause when agitated. I'm very agitated. And to do nothing and to just be vulnerable is so hard for me. You know, it's so hard and it's so excruciatingly painful. But I know I will get the rainbow, as Jerry says, when I get to the other side. And I'm going to learn something about Barb. I'm going to um, peel the layers of the onion. And I've been doing this 26 years. And I still, it's like, oh, yeah, surrender. Oh, yeah, trust the process. Oh, yeah, pray. You know, it amazes me. It's like, you know, I have a forgetter that goes on self-will constantly, you know. So I am so grateful to be clean and to have this way to live. Because I used to live in this torment you just heard. I used to live that daily in a vicious cycle with no freedom, no way out, and insanity. You know, in the streets, they used to say, leave that bitch alone, she's crazy. I was, I was stark, raving mad, you know. You add some dope to this, and you're really. So I'm grateful to be here, and I'm grateful to be clean. Thanks. Thanks so much, Barb. Anybody else want to share on these two paragraphs? Douglas. Then Lee. All right, thanks, Jen. Uh, the first three... Um, progress that we read, I, I really think that uh, it's almost like a six and a seven step. I was looking at it as when we say effort is necessary for change to occur, action is what matters, and then it follows naturally. We commit ourselves to the service of that power, however we understand it. Uh, it just reminds me of like when I when I identify those flat tires in my life, I identify that is is because they're causing me pain, you pain, or causing static with the HP. I want to turn that over, like part of my turning it over is like saying, hey, there's some action. You know, when I ask God to remove these, it, it's like, well, the part that I can play, you know, is like, let me identify what, you know, the, the opposite spiritual principle. And that's usually how I try to do it. And, and, and I've been trying to not, not very successful this past week, but a week ago, me and a couple of friends, we went over our current six steps. You know, there's a few of us we're doing it. And one of mine is like, man, I curse a lot and I tell you know, vulgar jokes and stuff like that. In the right setting, it's funny, you know, laughing and stuff like this, but like, it's, I've identified I'm doing a little too much, a little bit too often and stuff like that. And I just wanted to tighten that up a little bit, you know, and so, so not speaking like that as much is, so asking God to remove, but you know, the, that my action item isn't, you know, um, hey, don't be vulgar, don't be vulgar, don't be vulgar, because fuck, you know, then I got to be vulgar. And I just said that jokingly just now, but you know, we, but what I, what I need to start looking at is saying, hey, how can I speak lovingly? You know, I can speak life into people, man. I can, you know, I can choose to do this. And I, I've been okay at it, you know, not, not, not really great this week. But anyway, that, that's what the first three paragraphs remind me of, like a six and a seven. But look, the comment I really wanted to make, I think it's the most powerful sentence um, that we've read. And this is page 49. So by far, this is the one that, that resonates in me. Look, we're having a hard time. The last sentence of the of the last paragraph we read. We're having a hard time. The best thing we can do for ourselves, it, except that gift, by focusing on ourselves. You know, no, it doesn't say it doesn't read that, man. It talks about like helping somebody else, and that's the coolest thing, man. Remember, the, the gentleman died, you know, um, died clean, and, uh, and and the thing that he would tell all of us is that magic six letter word, you know, others, man. That magic six letter word, others, and. and I'm telling you, man, it, it, since, since I've been clean, the thing that gives me the most, the most like relief takes that pressure off of whatever. If I can just get out of myself and into somebody else, man, it, it gives me a sense of purpose. And, and this is my last comment on it. But, you know, I want the folks listening to, to talk about and Barb, I identify so much with what you're talking about. I'm not important. I'm this. I'm that. I'm this. Honestly, man, I, I could. It doesn't matter what you do for me, how much you tell me you love me, man. I can still go to that place of like I'm all alone and you don't, you know, this and that. But when I'm of service, when I'm helping somebody else, man, I really feel that 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 being lessened, like like nothing else has, has lessened that for me. So I'll go ahead and, and uh, 
uh, and pass with that. Thanks, folks. Thanks, Douglas. Lee. Hi, I'm Lee. I'm an addict. <clears throat> um, so much of this resonated, and and it says surrender means having the open mindedness to see things in a new way, as well as the willingness to live differently. And and it's been said over and over. Uh, the action in surrender. Also, the choice in surrender is super important. And, and hearing the different perspectives, it just in this episode has, has been amazing to me. Um, Doug always says, pouring into someone else. Well, today I had an opportunity to pour into a family member who is. I just say she's demented for lack of a better definition. She's only seven years older than me. And I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't go all the way. I tried. I responded with love and compassion and care for a time. And for some reason, and I was telling this to Paul earlier, for some reason, this this situation with my sister connects to uh dealing with my mother for her first four or five years of, of Alzheimer's. And then I get to the point where I have to stop. And, and I've gotten healthier about stopping. I can say, okay, all right, I'm gonna say goodbye now and, 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 and hang up. And that is the loving, the most loving principle I can deploy with her. Now, if it was one of you guys, for some reason, and Barb, that's probably the codependency and I probably need to come my ass to Al-Anon is, I can give it to y'all, you know what I mean? I can give it to the guys that I work with. I can give it to the members of the fellowship. I can give it in service in the program of NA. But when it comes to her, I, I hit this screeching line that's a halt. And, and, and I, I have to remember, and this is important to me, this is not static. Surrender's not static. Uh, willingness is not static. Percep perception is not static. It's all changing. It's all constantly changing. And so I, I cut myself some slack and, and give myself a bit of a break because, you know, a part of my mind will say, well, you should be better than that. And you've got all this time and you've been in the process and yada, yada, yada. And none of that is really true. It's in this moment. It's how I do, how I navigate through the moment, this moment right now, right here with you guys. And so if you're listening, just try to remember that it's not static. My desire to stay clean is static. That is, you know, concrete foundation. I don't even know how to put that. But all the rest of it, and I do mean all the rest of it, is not, it's not concrete like that. And I hear, I hear people talk like it's, this is the only way it is right now. Ah. <laughs> it took it takes time to to get that part of this that it's gonna change. I just have to hang in there. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Lee. Dan, did I see your hand up? No, okay. I just wanted to tie in a, a couple things on this. It's what I, you know, what I got out of these two, you know, last couple chapters was, you know, the surrender for me is the first part of the process. And so what I have written in the margins is I must do the work and the work varies depending on what my, my issues are at the moment. But the common denominator at the end of all of this process and my goal is freedom. Freedom from my disease, freedom from my fucked up thinking, you know, freedom from the behavior that is causing me harm, freedom, the freedom and the freedom piece for me is so relevant in my life right now because all of my work that I've continued to do have brought me to this place of freedom, this newfound freedom that I have that um, is like, it doesn't, sometimes when I'm in the muck and I'm in the mud and I feel like I'm trudging through, like I feel like I'm not getting anything, right? Like, and usually it's because I haven't surrendered or I haven't done the work and I'm just sitting there going, why isn't this working? Um, and so that end result of freedom for me is, is one of the, the biggest gifts, you know, it's, it's the best gifts I think here I've gotten, you know, the, 
I've lost the desire to use and now I have the freedom to have choices and live my life, not based on what my disease tells me, but what my higher power has in store for me. And um, it's a huge gift that I'm so grateful for. Um, and then we will go next. So we are at a spiritual, not religious program. And the next two paragraphs, uh, Jane, do you wanna read for us? You bet, here we go. A spiritual, not religious program. Each of us has our own spiritual path. As we explore our spirituality, we find ourselves on a journey of self-discovery. When we live with spiritual awareness, we find harmony with the God of our understanding, with ourselves and with others. There is no single recipe for spirituality. Each of us finds our own way to live spiritually and that allows us freedom to make choices about how we live. It also charges us with responsibility. We cannot pretend that spirituality is not essential to the NA program or the NA way of life, but there is room within that for people of all beliefs, including those with no belief at all. Our right to our own spirituality in NA is unconditional, and that also means we must allow that right to others. It's not very complicated, but this is one area of our recovery that we seem to love to complicate. Any single definition of spiritual principles would be too restrictive for us. Our traditions remind us that NA is not a place where any single spiritual path is endorsed. Part of my willingness and ability to try to find a spiritual path was the freedom and um, that NA gave me to do that, however I wanted to do that. It also <laughs> made it difficult for me to find my own spiritual. I kept finding myself trying to go back to knowns. Um, and I'm sure that's just fear of looking dumb or whatever, but I, um, it's like I, I beckoned towards the structure so that I didn't have the responsibility of choosing and being wrong. But at the same time, I never would have even tried. If you had tried to tell me how to have spirituality, I would have balked. I would have run. I would have fought you. But giving me the freedom to choose it all also put all the responsibility on me. And that, uh, that was very scary for me because I was, especially in the beginning when fear of being wrong or fear of looking stupid was far, far overwhelming uh, than the rest of it. And like with millions and millions of other people, I just started off with love and worked my way up from there. And uh, I guess I would tie that in with uh, what everybody's been saying up to now on the podcast is that um, it, that process, I had to be in the process and growing and learning and practicing and applying for a period of time before I learned to trust the process or even understand the process. And the same thing happened with me with spirituality is uh, I had to be in it for a while before I realized it was okay for me to take my time to do it. I didn't have to have a complete spiritual path and, uh, and a complete definition of that spirituality uh, for right from the get-go. It was all right for me to start off simple and, and let it grow in time. And through the process and watching you and seeing my life unfold and seeing the uh, being presence of the spirituality in my life, that I was um, able to develop my own. And I'd like to hope that at least even unto today, that there's still a lot of room for growth and for change uh, on, on my spiritual path. Uh, and I'm probably a little more assertive about what that is uh, in my groups than some people are comfortable with. Um, but I, uh, I really think that I'm not the only one that struggles with that, with struggles with uh, what it was and what it is now and how that applies to me. And um, just learning to get off the debate team and allow myself the freedom to believe in anything greater than me 
uh, was a start, but I, I really needed to practice it and be in the middle of it for a while before I started getting some um, definition, definition to what that was. So, and I absolutely believe that it's a necessity in this fellowship for me to always remember uh, I'm not that I'm not that spiritual. <laughs> I'm I'm here, and it's a lot stronger, wiser, smarter. And if I'll just trust that they know where they're going and what they're doing, I'll, I've got a chance. And with that, I'll quit. Thanks. Thanks, Jane. Paul. Yeah, um, I always get nervous about this part, of, you know, the spirituality stuff. And it is, I have to remember that I'm not getting to the journey. I'm not finding my way to a spiritual journey, that the finding is the journey, mm -hmm. right? So that's not, and that's never a completeness. It's, it's a path and I'm on it. And everyone, anybody who walks into Narcotics Anonymous from the very first day, you're on the path. So you don't have to like go, where is it? I need to find it. Can somebody, you're on it. You're already on it. And that's a relief. So I did all kinds of stuff. Look, I went to Japan. I went to Shinto shrines. I went to the great Buddha in Kamakura. I've been to the Sistine Chapel and stared up at the ceiling. I've, I've been to uh, uh, great monasteries in Europe. I've, I've lived in a monastery out in the woods in Louisiana. I, I've, I've done the S training. I did rebirthing. I did Reiki. I did. I paid lots of money for somebody to do shit to me to, because I'm going to find where already there and I was there it was already there it was all in but look that wasn't a mistake no look all spiritual dirt journeys begin in the desert yeah yep. so that's where I am I have to walk through the desert for the journey so if you feel like you're in the desert and you're listening to this you're in the right place I know that doesn't help but that's, it is. And, and here's, look, and, and throughout my life in, in Narcotics Anonymous, you can go back into the desert, you know? This is not like one uphill, fluid motion. You know, I say my recovery is uphill in second gear. It's, uh, uh, recommit, uh, uh, recommit, recommit. The good news is that with time, things get better. They do get better because what I walk in with is a fragile ego. And if someone challenges me, like Jane was saying that I was wrong or I was looking stupid, right? If someone challenges what I believe, I used to go, they're wrong. And my head would go, maybe they're not. Maybe they're not wrong. Maybe you're wrong. The good news is after doing this for long enough, you kind of go, it doesn't matter. We're all right. It's okay. They can think what they want. They can do what they want. It's okay. I don't have to correct them. I don't have to tell them they're wrong. I don't even, I just have to keep myself on the path. Ah, oh, that makes, that takes a lot of weight off. And, and the truth is, my father used to say, there's a lot of ways to get to Canal Street. And we don't have the, we don't have the only way to do this. We don't. I have the best way for Paul to do this. And I am assured of that for myself. And if someone comes to me and say, how did you do it? I can say, I'll tell you how I did it. You're going to have to figure out how you're going to do it. And sometimes you take stuff from all of those things. And all of that stuff that I did informs what I do now. I picked up little pieces along the way. I picked up a piece from the Sistine Chapel, from the Shinto Shrine, from the S training. I picked up a little piece and I just, I put it all together and it's this beautiful, not tapestry, mosaic. Cause you're the tapestry and God's the mosaic for me. They're little pieces of shiny, beautiful objects 
that put together, that I get to put together over 26 years and say this, this is the magic for me, right? Magic from the word magi, right? That's what I need to know. I need to know the magic. So look, this is not some kind of weird hoo 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 hoo. Everybody's doing this and you're, everybody's doing it okay. And we're all doing it together. And I get nervous in meetings when somebody starts to tell me you. I get nervous of that. If you hear people saying you should, or you need to, or you, I always kind of want to run away. I want to run away. I want to run, I want to run. But I'll listen for hours if you say, I did this. I believe this. I do this. And look, it comes up in the second step. We came to believe not in a power. Right. It talks about this in the in the workbook. It doesn't say we believe in a power if we believe that. A power. Can restore us to sanity. The hardest part of that belief is not in what it is. The hardest part of that belief is that I deserve to be restored. Belief in a higher power is not problematic. Belief in myself that I deserve the goodness and the care of a higher power. That's the hard part. The higher power doesn't need a 12-step fellowship. I do. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. Anyone else? All right. Well, Paul, would you like to read the next two paragraphs? Sure. If I can find them. Oh, here we go. Finding a spirituality. Huh. Finding mm -hmm. a spirituality that works for us can be one of the most important challenges that we face in recovery. And yet we are often afraid to talk about it. We may, we may worry that we will feel out of place or that others will be uncomfortable with what we are sharing. When we are carrying the message, we learn to make the boundary clear between our personal spiritual experiences and the message of NA. Finding a balance in which we are open to one another's experience without creating the oppression that we are endorsing a particular religion can be a struggle. While we may pursue a religion or path that uses specific language to refer to spiritual concepts, we ask ourselves how we can express that in a way we can all understand. We use more general language out of respect for all the various perspectives in the fellowship, even though in another setting, we might use language more specific to our own particular faith. It can be difficult to find a way to talk about our spirituality and still leave the door open for everyone to have their own path as well. We use many different words to describe our higher power. We do not we do our best to share our deepening spiritual experience in the way that makes it available to everyone in the room. Yeah, I listen, um, <laughs> I know what it's like um, to be scared of religious fervor as a gay man um, who grew up in the 1960s. I know that um, I've heard that God doesn't love me. And um, the good news is I came, my parents told me God absolutely does love you. And, uh, and that was from a religious space. Um, so that's my message is that your higher power, who you get to decide on, loves you. Because we all decided that it's loving, caring, and greater than ourselves. That's the only thing that we all decided together. Loving, because we wrote it down in the basic text. Loving, caring, greater than ourselves. What you call it, how you pray to it, how you, and it doesn't even have to be an it. It can be the fellowship. It can be all kinds of stuff. I don't care. But like I said before, that I deserve it is the hard step. Um, so I, you know, this, what I have to be careful of in Narcotics Anonymous and these two um, paragraphs kind of thing. We are not, it is not sufficient for us, right? Medicine, religion, and psychiatry are not sufficient. However, we are not 
anti-religious. Neither are we pro-religious. We have no opinion on outside issues. So you can talk about whatever you need to talk about. And it's sort of like, I kind of equate this, people are gonna do whatever they're gonna do and they're gonna say clean and sober and their hair on the back or what little hair I have on the back of my neck stands up every time. And I go, when you say clean and sober, but I support your right to say it every time. If it keeps you in that fucking meeting and you don't go die. And I'll have my little conniption fit. And just like if you want to talk about your Lord and Savior or your uh, Buddha or your whatever it is you want to talk about or uh, uh, Allah Akbar, I will and let you stay clean in that meeting. So all I have to do is kind of worry about what I'm saying. I remember, I know this is kind of off the point. And uh, he, there was this guy in a meeting and he kept using the word fag. That's fag, that was faggoty, that was a fag. And I took him outside and I said, listen, let me tell you something. It's okay that you said that word. I've been clean for about 10 years at the time. I said, so I'm not walking out of here, but just know there's some little kid sitting in that meeting that thinks it's not gonna be a safe place for him to be because you said that word. Just remember that when you're using God too. Sometimes it scares people. So I have to be, be aware of, that's another three letter word. And I have to be aware of the context that it's not harmful, harm them or others. Thanks. Thanks Paul. Uh, Douglas. Thanks Jen. Um... Look, I was, uh, yeah, I, I think I, I always struggle with this. I still do, you know, and I'm, with um, this, including those with no belief at all, you know, we, we, you know, and obviously everyone has their belief, you know, to have no belief and, and all that stuff. And I sponsored a guy for a long, really long time, you know, with, you know, no belief. It was like one of those things we're telling y'all, you know, I would say, hey, God bless. And he would say, yeah, Easter Bunny, you know, bless you too, you know, and stuff like that. And he ended up dropping me, man, you know, as a sponsor and stuff, because it, it was just, impo I had found it very difficult, you know, to work steps and stuff like that. But here's the thing, man, is like, and I appreciate Paul, you, your perspective on that, you know, I think it needs to be shared and, and needs to be talked about that perspective. I share maybe like an, like an opposite perspective of it too, is that like, I consider, I start to think sometimes, like if we don't talk about the spiritual, like our spiritual path and we talk, you know, and open about that, and we're, I know that I'm, I'm probably more tolerant in a meeting to hear somebody saying, hey, there's no God. Hey, it's OK. You know, that to me, from, you know, my observation is it's, it's much more acceptable to say, hey, look, there's nothing going on. And this is my belief that there's, you know, then if somebody would come in and say, hey, look, here's, you know, here's what it is. Here's what it is. Here's what it is. I've noticed that my fear is this, man, it's like just as much as a newcomer might be sitting in there and hear you talk about your specific deity. Maybe that could be damaging, bro. But there, there's a shit ton of of newcomers sitting in the meeting here, and hey, man, there's no higher power. You know, we we fuck, you power through it, man. Smart recovery, or you know, whatever it is. I think that's equally, you know, you know, it, it is damaging too. And so, so look, and yet we're often afraid to talk about it. When I think we need to, you know, as a fellowship, like to lean in on that. Like, what what is the fear? I know mine. What mine is. Uh, if I hear you talking about something that I don't agree with, and if I, and I don't struggle with maybe as acutely now, but man, it was always like, if I don't say anything, if I don't voice my opinion, then I agree with you and I'm wrong. You know, I'm violating myself. You know what I mean? Because I'm not defending something that I think. And it was, it was intolerance of me is what I saw, you know, so this challenges myself to be more tolerant, you know, and, um, oh, and the last thing I want to, want to point out this, look, we use many different words to describe our higher power. And then we, we talk about language that's more, um, more acceptable in the rooms of NA. 
uh, than I than I do outside. And my eleven step is an example. I practice this this you know a lot when I when I share with people. My eleven step, you know, I read I read uh, scripture out of the Bible, and then I listen to the the prayer of Saint Francis, and then I do this two way writing assignment. And that's my morning routine. That's my morning when I share about it. When I talk with folks, though, I say I, I, I do a spiritual reading. And then most of the time I do say the, the prayer of St. Francis, because I think it's more universally accepted. I, you know, I, I don't know if that, you know, affects people as much as saying, you know, I'm reading something out of the Bible, but, you know, and then some, sometimes I'll say, you know, and I listen to a guided meditation piece, but it's the prayer of St. Francis, you know, and, and that's what I do. So in other situations, I'll say, Hey, look, you know, that that's my practice. That's what I do in the morning. But if I'm sharing about it in a, in a meeting or something like that, I'll use a spiritual reading and a guided meditation. I think it's more palatable. So I agree on that, you know, 100%. Like, I don't need to, to say, hey, look, let's turn to this. You know, let's turn to this verse and chapter, right? Like, that's not that's not the right place to do it. However, I do think leaning in for me, you know, leaning in on on saying, hey, look, this is this is where I find some solace at. You know, here's my practice. I don't think that's something to, to, uh, to shy away from. So I'm going to go ahead and pass with that. Thanks, Douglas. Dan. Yeah, hi. Thanks, everybody, so much for participating. I thought if I was going to be a guest, I might as well get in here and share on some of this stuff. I've been really uh, uh, curious and interested in all of the conversation and all of the commentary that's taken place today. And as we go from awakening to our spirituality to separating that from religion, and I think about all of my experiences around this, and I really appreciate some of the things that were shared about how we, you know, we try not to bash religion. I think that, uh, uh, you know, I personally, I came in here and I heard the word God and I automatically associated it with religion. I think that's really natural, right? And then people started saying it's spiritual, it's spiritual. And then I was thinking flowers, airports, robes, and chanting. I had no idea what the hell people were talking about when they said spiritual. And I remember having a conversation with my sponsor and he said he was sitting at the, uh, the porch of a recovery home one time where he was just kind of hanging out and, and trying to do a little 12-step work. And this really, really experienced member came up to him and said, why don't you tell me about your idea? Of, of spiritual living and my sponsor said well it's really complicated it involves bringing in god and he went on this long diatribe about what it was like to be spiritual and the guy said you know or maybe it's just about being kind and decent you know and really kind of simplifying what a spiritual life is is maybe it's just about being kind and decent and that really helped me kind of navigate this path and you know, one of the things that I, I see is, as I'm kind of making commentary on my observations in the fellowship is we're so careful to um, protect the person that's had bad experiences with religion. We forget about the people that have benefited from it and, and have a tendency to really come from a bashing place. And, and some of the things sound really cool. Some of the things I heard is, you know, um, religion is for people who, who don't want to go to hell and spirituality is for people that have been there and don't want to go back. And, you know, at first I heard that, I thought, man, that sounds really cool. But the more I, you know, I grew and, and grew spiritually, it was like, yeah, I don't think we need to go there. You know, I, I think sharing our own experience and strength and hope rather than putting opinions about other people's belief system is, is probably a better place to be. And, uh, you know, I know for me, uh, I was really moved where I talked about the miracle of recovery in action and seeing hope in people's eyes. You know, that, that really moved me and it moved my spirit. And that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about spirit uh, is, is, you know, what moves me on the inside, what makes me feel connected, what, what gravitates me towards others and to be in a better version of myself. And, um, you know, I also really like the part where it talked about uh, the Douglas touched on about the ability to accept that gift by getting out of self and uh, talking about not just feeling better and getting out of a funk, but ultimately the very root of why I came to Narcotics Anonymous is not to die a horrible death behind addiction. And I was having a conversation with my sponsor the other week and he was saying, you know, Dan, I've, I've never relapsed and I'm really thankful for that. But I have to think that those that do spend a lot of time thinking about themselves. And it really just resonated with me, the power of getting out of self. It's not just about feeling better. It might be just about staying clean one more day. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, it might just be about staying clean, the very minimum of my bottom line. So, uh, again, I've really been. Um, engaged with all of our conversation about our relationships with religion and how to present that and uh, what to, you know, what's best in our program and what's not, you know, at the end of the day, if you're newer, relatively new, listening to the podcast, uh, that, uh, you know, I, I would challenge you to keep coming and uh, bring some wonder to it all. 
I think we put a lot of pressure on figuring it out when the wonder is just a beautiful spiritual principle in itself. It's just not knowing. There's an incredible piece of just accepting that I don't know and being okay with it. I'll kind of wrap it up by talking about you know, the, the men I sponsor that have a lot of clean time that because of a lot of personal tragedies in their lives have their belief system has changed dramatically from one of a, a deep Western foundational faith to one of, I don't know, man, I don't know. And trying to navigate that through the steps and, and just continually going back to the power of the process, the power of the process is there's one thing that's universal about people with clean time. They, they, believe in the power of the process. And that's all we need. That's all we need is that. So if, if that's kind of your get down, uh, I'm with you on that and we'll figure this out together. So thanks for letting me come in and hang out and be a guest. Thanks, Dan. Um, I want to share a couple things on this. I, in the last <clears throat> sentence of the second paragraph we read, we do our best to share our deepening, deepening spiritual experience in a way that makes it available to everyone in the room. And, you know, the first round of steps I ever did, the I could not get past higher power, God, whatever you want to call it. I could, I could not. And I was on my third step and my sponsor was like, okay, we're going to make this super simple. And she said, get a piece of paper and put a line through the middle of it. And on one side, I want you to write what your higher power is, you know, what you came here with and then I'm like, what I want your higher power to be. And I was like, I thought this was a really hard assignment. So I did all of that. And I was like, well, what do I do now? And she cut it in half. And the one that I had, she crumpled it up and threw it in her fireplace and caught on fire. And she was like, here's your higher power, right? Like figure it out. Like, and what that did for me was took away all of the negativity of the higher power. And she was like, walk around with this in your wallet, you know, take it out every day and look at it, hang it up on your mirror, whatever it is that you need to do, but find what works for you. And, um, and finding what works for me, um, back then is very different than today, but that was the starting point. That was the ground, you know, the ground where I start and I got to move my way up and figure out what works for me. And, and, and the changes over the last, you know, whatever, 20 something years have been, you know, sometimes massive and sometimes stagnant and where my spirituality is. But I always go back to that piece of every time I think that my higher power isn't showing up. Like, I just need to look at it and be like, that's not, that's not, that's not my higher power. That's me. That's me not showing up. And, and I remember that there was nothing bad about my higher power on the list that I wrote. And there was everything bad on the other side. Um, and it was just how I grew up and, um, but it's not necessary anymore. And, um, and that, that recipe that I've now created over the years that we talked about, um, has changed as well, but it's a recipe that works today and it's worked throughout the years um, as I add a few more things here and there. Um, and that's all I have. So we'll, uh, does anybody else have anything else on this? No? Lee, do you want to read next for us? Sure. Um, we're at most importantly. Yes. Thank you, Jen. Most importantly, we find people we trust and respect with whom we feel comfortable sharing one-on-one. -on -one. The work doesn't all happen in meetings. We share and explore with our sponsor and step work or among our trusted friends. We may not ever have to leave and they define our spirituality, but it is our spiritual explorations that take place outside the rooms. But if, I'm sorry, our spiritual exploitations take us outside the rooms, it is crucial that we understand that NA welcomes us back from every new voyage. Each time we have new understanding to share and new challenges to work through as a result of our spiritual growth. One of the most beautiful things about our program is that it works regardless of our different beliefs. NA needs to be a place where we all feel welcomed. Even when we're pretty sure everyone in the room shares the same faith, we still need to make sure that the NA message is clear. We don't limit our application of the traditions to those times when we can see a problem they seem to solve. Keeping our message clear helps us all. The more I learn to share my spirituality in NA language, the more clearly I can see the connections between my faith and NA, a member explained. When we find ways to share our new insights using our common language of recovery, our ability to carry the NA message strengthens. Our fellowship matures and develops as each of us brings our increasing 
understanding to the table. We grow from one another's experience when we are willing to share and to listen with an open mind. And there it goes again to that open-mindedness and my perception. And when Paul was sharing about his journey, it made me laugh inside because I did ICE, S, the forum, ISA, in this relentless pursuit of spirituality. And I laugh at myself, spent thousands of dollars only to find out that the same principles were contained right here in our literature and in our fellowship. And I can remember like coming, coming into this with a really jacked up uh, perception of, of my religious experiences as a child and being sent off to become a priest and being kicked out at 14 and excommunicado and, uh, and I came in with that and, and it took me a long time. At first I had to believe in someone else's belief because my belief structure had been destroyed in active addiction. And, and through these pursuits and through listening to others and through asking questions of people in terms of spirituality, <clears throat> I've, I've grown to learn that someone said it earlier, it's loving kind and compassionate, I'm paraphrasing horribly. Um, and a lot of times when people ask me, what is my higher power? I said, it's divine. It's, it's the, the intelligence of the universe. It's not a deity. It's not a, a, a God per se. Um, and it works in my life. And, and, and like Douglas, I wake up, I pray to that, whatever that is. I meditate and then I do a writing assignment almost every day, um, which centers me, puts me into a position of surrender to, to start the challenges of, of life. Um, and before I fall asleep at night, I pray again. And that has worked superbly well for me for decades now. So the evolution of it was very slow in the beginning. Uh, <laughs> I went on a relentless pursuit, which led me directly back to the principles contained in our program, our message of hope and the promise of freedom. And, and Jen spoke very eloquently about that freedom. And that freedom, I believe, comes from this process. So I'll leave some time for someone else. Thanks. Thanks, Lee. Anyone want to share on this? Oh. Yeah, you get to um, you get to formulate it yourself. I had a I had a sponsee who came from AA, and um, he, you know, we we've changed how we close meetings in AA. They close with a different, very kind of religious prayer, and um, he said to me, he said to me, I can't do that. I can't do that anymore. And I said, why not? He said, uh, I can't do that prayer anymore. I said, why not? He said, um, because my dad used to beat the shit out of me all the time in a drunken rage. And uh, our father doesn't have good connotations for me. And I said, well, who was loving and caring? Who was the person? Who was the person? Because, you know, ultimately, this is all anthropomorphization, right? Big word. That's, we, we're giving, we're making it a person. I said, who's the person that, that he said, my noni, she was the one. She was my grandmother. She took care of me. She's where I ran to. She fed me. She kept me safe. She was the one who took care of me. And I said, well, then say our noni who art in heaven. And it was a breakthrough. So that's what we get to do here. We get to have the images line up with the spiritual principles in our minds. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. And uh, we've reached that top of the hour tonight for us. So I wanna thank everybody for listening and uh, we'll see everybody next week. 
Thank you for walking with us on this journey. Please reflect on what was discussed and apply it to your life. Share this resource with anyone you feel led to do so.